And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Hi, everyone. This is going to be a unique podcast today. I have Molly Mayo, my co-host, on the side of me. Hello. And on the other side of me, I have Trey Smith. Trey, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Okay, so this is unique and new and different because uh, Trey has been working with me for how long, Trey? Uh, Almost nine years. Almost nine years. And how old were you when you started? Fourteen. Fourteen. And and I saw you on a what? Backhoe. A backhoe (laughs) (laughs) at 14 years old. And so today's podcast is going to be about work, work ethic. And uh, we're going to learn some kind of cool insights as to um, what does it take to um, get a a young boy, you know, 12 to 14-year-old, to get him to a place of amazing work ethic. Uh, Trey, he's been my right-hand man for uh, the last nine years, almost a decade. Mm -hmm. And um, he runs all my machinery. He runs excavators, backhoes, tractors. Um, um, He's done electrical, plumbing, plumbing. what else have you done? Stonework. Stonework. A lot of stonework. Carpentry. <laughs> landscape. Putting plumbing, putting in uh, bathrooms. Yeah, a lot of landscape, right? Yeah. A lot of planting of trees. Yeah. Ponds. He's a marketing director. <laughs> oh, that's right. Ponds. We put in three ponds. Yep. Uh, we almost had a couple trees fall on us. Remember the big yeah. one? <laughs> almost took out the other backhoe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've had, ladies and gentlemen, you have no idea. So Trey has not only been my right-hand man, but I have never seen anyone outperform or outwork him. Um, I've had some amazing workers. Um, remember, um, I had that one young man back in Pennsylvania he helped build my house. He was only 15 years old, and uh, that was Kevin, uh, Kevin Radman. He was an amazing worker. So you're, you're a lot like him, same, uh, same type of young man. He also went into the military, and that's one of your goals, right? Yes. Get to the military. Also, you want to? Be a pilot. Be a pilot. Commercial? I'd prefer the military. Commercial is my backup. Okay. So if it's military or commercial, my goal is for you to be my own personal pilot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were your own personal pilot. Well, I am, but I'm not a very good pilot. <laughs> I want to get there safe and sound. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So um, I want to just kind of open this up with a text. It's in um, the Gospel of Luke, chapter uh, 16. And it says this. It says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So, uh, Trey, do, do I trust you? Yes. Why? Uh, I've proven myself to you. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't. Do I trust a lot of people? Not usually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, because people have to prove themselves. They should prove themselves. You know, I, my saying has always been what? Inspect what you... Expect. Yeah. And then I get to the place, but I don't do that with you anymore. With you, I trust and verify. Hmm. You know, so I don't ever, I don't go up and check your work anymore. I, right. I ask you if it got done. And I'd say 99.9% of the time it's always been done. And I just want you to know, so everyone, this is Trey's last day um, here working at Lamplighter. Um, he may come back, you know, he's going to go off on his own right now and do some other things and hopefully go into the military. But um, however God leads, if 
that door opens for you to come back. I want you back. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would, uh, I would take you back in a heartbeat. In fact, I've tried to, I've tried to, to adopt him and give him everything so that he stays with me. On numerous occasions, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've offered you everything. <laughs> Who else is going to do my electrical, plumbing, landscaping, and everything else? <laughs> so it's been an amazing time, Trey. Um, you have blessed me abundantly, and I really appreciate you. But this text. Um, one who is faithful in little is faithful in much. I think that's the key. Um, you don't find a lot of young people today faithful in little. I, I just hmm. recently, <laughs> how was my find yesterday with the grapevine? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I had, and I say past tense, a 150-year-old grapevine hmm. during the days of General Mills. What? Yes, it's about... What, what diameter? Probably eight, four inches. No diameter. Oh, diameter. Yeah, a good six to seven inches at least. I'd say diameter. Oh, not diameter. Uh, circumference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trace tra- signaling. What, what, what the difference between diameter and circumference? Is. Yeah, diameter probably four inches. Yeah. Um, that's a huge grapevine, and Debbie and I have been nurturing that grapevine for over a good forty-three years. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and we went up there yesterday, and it is cut in half oh no yeah the root is taken out of the ground it's gone mm. uh, two of my um, wonderful interns <laughs> decided this four inch vine didn't mean anything to anybody and they decided to chop it down <laughs> so anyways it's gone and uh and i said to them i said look why didn't you ask you know we just they saw something and they just their instinct was to kill it and so anyways <laughs> usually you've never done anything like that right <laughs> Not usually. You know, I try to avoid it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so there's something about being faithful in little, okay? That's that's where it starts. You prove yourself in little. And so when kids are growing up, you know, work at it. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And so, Trey, I trust you. You do things, you know, with with – this morning I yelled – not yelled, but I yelled out to somebody. I'm going like, you walk like your grandmother. You know, <laughs> I asked them to do something. It was just, just waddling to the – to the um, dumpster, and I'm like, what in the world? I got to stand here and wait for you to get back. When you, when I ask you to do something, what do you usually do? Run. You run. You know. So where did you get that work ethic from? What, what is this? Something that is just in you innately? Is it like your grandfather, your great grandfather, or is this something that you've learned? How and how did you learn it? Uh, I'd say a lot of my work ethic comes from my dad. He's pretty hardworking, and he was a marine. He was a marine. Yeah, mm-hmm. still is. You, you never not a marine. That's right. <laughs> And so um, he's got that kind of work ethic. Yeah. You've seen that. Yep. Your sister works like this. Your brother works like this. Yeah, it's my whole family. Your whole family works like this. Mm. Um, what do you see in me? Hard worker. Yeah. And do you know why? No. My dad worked like that. His brother worked like that. His grand, his father worked like that. They were all hard workers. It's, it's in the family genes, mm. you know? And guess what? We love to work. Yeah. Do you love to work? I love to work. <laughs> why? Why? What... Molly, what causes someone to love to work? We were wired that way. No, I don't think it's a wiring. Well, Ecclesiastes talks a lot about work, and he says it's pleasurable to work. And there's great reward in work, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, work is when I get to accomplish something. There's something mm-hmm. at the end of the work. Mm-hmm. It's not just mm-hmm. the work itself. It's intrinsic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's both intrinsic and extrinsic. It's it's something that's within us, and it's also something that gives you great joy when it's finished. Mm-hmm. The problem with me is that 
I finish something and I'm right on to what? <laughs> the next thing. <laughs> Three other things. <laughs> um, of all the things that we've been able to accomplish, what do you think has been the most satisfying, fulfilling thing that we've done? Hmm. So you could be several of them. I mean, the ponds, there were, being uh, able to do that. and That was cool. Yeah. Was just a few days. Clearing an entire forest and having a pond there by the end of the week. Is, that was amazing, wasn't it? That was it? in yeah. one week? Yeah. Yeah, it was in one That's week. That's crazy. One week. Yeah, not just one, the three of them. Wow. Literally a forest there. I mean, how many trees? Oh, how about the, taking those trees out? Yeah. <laughs> that was something, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. They were all miscombobulated for <laughs> how, how long, you know? So, uh, okay, so we've done some really cool things and uh, great fulfillment. But how, like, let's say that you, is it something that's caught or something that's taught? How do, you, how do we get young people that are out there today? Because we get a lot of students here and, you know, some of them have this kind of work ethic, but not everyone. So what do you do with a young person, a mom and dad that's listening to this? How do we get their children to hang, hang on to something that is like, whoa, I want this for myself too. I want to work hard for this. How do we get them to that point? Well, work shouldn't be thought of as work. It should be something you enjoy doing. Mm. So you have to wake up excited to do what you do. Mm. And then when you do that, it's not work anymore. It's You're just doing a task that you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, you know, for me, um, it's hard to believe, but I was a lazy kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not enjoy work growing up. So my dad was a hard worker. But my dad, Saturday, when Saturday came, guess what all my friends were doing? Playing. <laughs> Playing. No, sleeping. Oh. My oh. friends didn't get up until like 11 o'clock Saturday morning. Okay. Guess what I was doing at 7 o'clock in the morning on Saturday? Working. Yeah, working with my dad. My dad was working as, you know, on construction all week long, and then Saturday was his only day to get work done. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we, we were building a house. We just had a lot of landscaping to do, a lot of trees to plant, mm-hmm. weeds to pull, mulch to put down, you know, gutters to, to, uh, to create. And so 7 o'clock Saturday morning, I was up working with my dad. I hated it. I did not like working. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be inside sitting on the recliner watching cartoons, The Three Stooges, Tom mm-hmm. and Jerry. You know, that's what my friends were doing. They got to watch all the cartoons. My dad was the same way. <laughs> Saturdays weren't a day of just doing nothing. It was a day of work I was around the house and yeah. everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't get to do that when I was a kid. And I did not like to work. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but I did work, and so I, I had a built-in work ethic because I had to do these things. And so, and then I, I started noticing by the time I got to about twelve years old, mm-hmm. I still did, I, if there was a way for me to get out of something and have a shortcut, I took the shortcut. Okay, <laughs> and uh, and I've told the story on air before. This is when my dad he we had a, a sewage sewer um, break, and uh, we had to reroute the sewer out the backside. You've heard the story before, right? Yep. You know, and you've heard it before mm-hmm. as well. This is where my dad had me dig a 20-foot, 20, 20 to 30-foot ditch underneath a concrete patio, you know, where I had to get to the other side, and it was solid clay. Mm-hmm. And uh, long story short, I told my dad it couldn't be done. He came home on Friday. He went out there started digging, and after he dug for about 20 minutes, I, I was being shamed. Mm-hmm. And I went out there and took the the tools and said, I'll get it done. And it took me till around from probably 7 o'clock that night until 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. A good six hours, nonstop digging. And I was digging with a coffee can. But what? I, yeah. Because there's no, you can't get tools. You're, you're on a little. You don't have enough space to use it. No. You're just, um... you're just digging, crawling yourself, then backing out. Picture yourself crawling out, you know, 25 feet. 
mm-hmm. you know, to get to the end. You would think that I would have started digging from the other side, but I didn't, you know. <laughs> you know, I had a light under there, and, you know, you just dig a little bit, and you crawl out and throw the dirt out. Oh. Six hours later, it was amazing. When I got to the other side and dug that out, my head popped through, and this is 1 o'clock in the morning. My dad has a light from his bedroom shining down at me. And I, my head pokes out, and I'm, I look up, and my dad is yelling out as loud as he can, I knew you could do it! Great job, son! You know, and you know, the whole neighborhood is hearing him That's at 1 cool. o'clock in the morning. That moment, At that moment, something shifted inside of my DNA. That's the only way I can describe <laughs> it. You know, I, at that moment, I don't know how to explain this, but inside of me, the greatest fulfillment that I've ever sensed in my life was like, whoa, I did this. Mm-hmm. I did it. And I think it's called, <laughs> no pun intended, it's called breakthrough. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And I think that's what kids need. They need a breakthrough. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so in, in this passage, there's a, chapter 16 is about this unrighteous manager. And he realizes he's been caught. He's lazy. He's been cutting corners. Mm-hmm. His master catches him and he says, you're fired. And before he's going to get put out, he goes to all of the people that owes his master and he lowers their price. And you would think like, is that kind of dishonest or is that worse? Does he do something good? Because Jesus says, and the unrighteous manager was wiser than the children of light. So in what way is he wiser? What do you think? We studied this a while ago. And I know because unjust is also translated shrewd, right? Yeah, shrewd. And then... I can't remember where we landed on it because we okay. were saying that shrewd is mostly a bad thing. So the the one man he owes a hundred talents of um, you know for oil, another mm-hmm. one fifty for hay, mm-hmm. and another one for something else. So he gives him half price. The other one gives him thirty percent or forty percent off. So what's the deal with him giving him the so Trey? Let's say like, okay, let's say something happened and and, and I, I found you to be lazy, and, which has never happened. But I found you to be lazy and, and you're wasting my goods and like you're gonna and you heard you're gonna get fired. So you go to all the people that owe me money, mm-hmm. they haven't paid me yet, and you get me fifty percent of the money that this one person owed me and twenty percent of the money this other or eighty percent of the what this other person owes me, am I gonna be happy or mad? Would they be still paying the other portion of it? Um, maybe they maybe they wouldn't have paid any. Hmm. So this man, before he gets put out, is doing two things. Number one, he's getting the people that owe his master. He's getting them to pay something that they haven't paid at all. And he's also making them like him because he gave them a, a discount. And Jesus looks at this and says, that's pretty shrewd. He's doing something for his master. Master didn't have any of the money. Now he's got some of it. And these people like what he did. And so it says that when he's put out, when he's fired, he can go to these people and say, hey, look at." I helped you out. Can you help me out now? I need places. I need a place to stay, and uh, and so he's. It's not. It's. I don't think it's ethical. I don't think it's. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a me in my judgment. It's not a good thing, but it's a shrewd thing. Jesus mm-hmm. is only commenting on this is shrewd. Right. Yeah. I think the the parallel because I remember when we studied it where I landed, and I think there was some disagreement about what the parable meant. But I think you and me disagree. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think what we had landed, like there was this idea that even the guy was being shrewd. So he was storing up like the friends for his future. And so in the same way, we should be making decisions in life that 
you know, like you say, echo and eternity. And so the, it's the, that it idea. affect our future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And so, like, he was using this analogy. He's like, yeah, this is what the world's doing, and that's not great. But even they're, they're, they're paying attention to the future, and you're, you're, not doing, you're not even doing that. Nailed it, Molly. You nailed it. So not only does he do something shrewd that Jesus says, acknowledges that this is very shrewd, mm-hmm. he, what Molly just said is right on the head. It's he's looking t- toward the future. Mm-hmm. And Trey, your work ethic is has built something for you. You've built a foundation. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, not only have you learned, I mean, monumental stuff, electrical, plumbing, mm-hmm. excavation, running machinery. I mean, like there's a host of things. A I lot, mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you've learned a lot, okay? There's nothing probably that you cannot do. You know, we had you in marketing this past year. Mm-hmm. You know, you know you've, you've, you've been going to school, college for, for business. You know, you've, you're well-grounded. There's not, God, you are a lethal weapon. Thank okay. you. Yes. <laughs> Best compliment ever. Yeah, it's, it is. That's very powerful. So God has allowed you to gain a lot, but he who has been given the most is responsible for the most. So there is a lot that, you know, God has invested. I don't know why, but God has invested in you big time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. I mean, what I don't think it's just being a part of the military. I don't think uh, whatever it is, God has decided that Within you, he has invested. Now you got to be careful with this because, and I, I've never seen pride be a part of part of your life, and so that's good. But you got to be careful with pride. Jeroboam was a lot like you, okay? But I don't see any of his characteristics in you, so that's good. And Jeroboam, he was also really good at what he did. He was a leader, and he was good at with all of the trades. And Solomon saw that, and Solomon lifted him up, lifted him up as his number one man. And then Jeroboam got prideful, and then. That whole thing, Jeroboam takes part of the kingdom and, and God, you know, really goes against Jeroboam. So why has God invested in you? That's something you're going to have to figure out. But here's what I want mom and dad to learn. Molly, help, help me out here. Mm-hmm. As this text continues and it's looking at this unjust steward has done something wisely, mm-hmm. um, shrewdly about investing in his future. Mm-hmm. It goes into this text. Listen to this. And it says this. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, mm-hmm. who will entrust to you the true riches? And so here, here God is saying, "Listen, I'm going to invest in you, but I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some um, exercises to prove yourself. The first thing you're going to be, how I'm going to prove to prove you, mm-hmm. is in the things that I give you, your wealth." The resources that I give you. How do you use them? Mm-hmm. Um, our kids, child gets a bicycle as a gift. Does he take care of that gift? Mm-hmm. Those are the little things that we need to teach our children. How we take care of the things that God gives us as gifts mm-hmm. sets the foundation for the future. How do we take care of the the, the vehicles that God gives us? <laughs> the the um, the clothes that God gives us. The 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 rooms. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we care for those things? Those little things matter much. And then he says this. He says, if you have not been faithful in that which is another's. Oh, this is another big one. I like this one. Okay. This is really big. Mm -hmm. How do you take care of other people's um, equipment? Um, You know, we have a lot of people mowing the lawns around here. Mm -hmm. You know, I I went and looked at the blades this morning. Oh, dear. There's big chunks taken out of those blades in our brand new lawnmower. You know, I know things like that sometimes happen. Um, 
we've had the the um, the large, you know, zero turn um, lawnmower put in the pond. Three On multiple occasions. <laughs> <laughs> have you done it yet? I have not. And I haven't either. Oh, wow. <laughs> I haven't either. You haven't either. <laughs> but several of our interns have put our large, beautiful, wonderful lawnmower in the pond. Why does that happen, Trey? Um, it's a lack of skill. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I go and tell them each time, do not get near this pond. You're going to put this in the pond. And yet they always go near the pond and it goes in the pond. What, what's, the, what's the reason for it? Uh, I think every time they push the boundary a little bit more as to what's close. Mm-hmm. And then there's a point where they, they end up slipping in. So he that's faithful, listen to this. This is so important. It says this. If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, how can I entrust unto you that which is your own? What do you think that means? Molly and Trey, this is what it says, verse 12. If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? What's that mean? Well, if I were to borrow your truck, I would treat your truck a lot better than I would probably treat anything of my own. And so Mm. until I can treat your truck with respect and accountability with it, I'm not going to treat anything of my own in the same manner. Okay. That's I think that's really close. What what else? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to understand what is the true riches. Okay, so who will let's go back up one verse then. It says, "If you if you then have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust unto you the true riches?" What is that? The true riches? I would think they're eternal riches. Things that come for eternity. Because it seems like that's kind of what it's implying. I don't know if that's like gifts that you get, skill sets, or if it's something long-term. Well, he's been talking from verses 1 all the way to verse 9. He's been talking about he's been dealing unrighteously and unwisely with his master's money. Mm -hmm. Okay, Now he does something shrewdly, and he gets some of the money back. And Jesus says he's done shrewdly, he's done wisely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he says in verse, verse, um, look at verse 8, it says, The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then it says this, And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth. Okay. So this guy made friends with the unrighteous, he made friends with, with money. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. With all these people, he made friends with them. It says, "Make friends with others with the unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings." In other words, use what God has given you wisely on this earth. Mm-hmm. Use it. Use it for the kingdom of God. Use it for eternal purposes, and as it influences other people, when these people end up in the kingdom. When you get there, mm-hmm. they're going to receive you into everlasting habitations. Second uh, Peter chapter one talks about the same thing. It talks about, um, and it never, and you will um, um, be received into an everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's in Second Peter chapter one. Same idea mm-hmm. as you minister to other people, they will minister to you um, in in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see it here in verse eleven? If then you have verse verse ten. One who is, no, verse 9, and I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of the unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, meaning when you're dead, 
when money doesn't have any influence on this world, mm -hmm. they may receive you into eternal, eternal dwellings. This unjust man just did this. He just lowered all their debts. Mm -hmm. He made friends with them. They're going to receive him into their dwellings when he's put out. Right, yeah. Okay? And mm -hmm. God is saying, no, no, no. Now use your unrighteous wealth. That's, he calls it unrighteous wealth. Yeah. It's stuff for here and now. You're not going to take it with you. Uh -huh. Use that for eternal purposes so that when it is no longer useful on this earth and you're gone, others will receive you into the real kingdom of God, into their eternal dwellings. They'll be there for you. It's interesting he calls it his wealth since it was actually his master's. Mm. Um, he uses his unrighteous wealth for the future, and yet it's actually his master's wealth that he's using to make these friends. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's cool. So the true riches, why is that committed to your trust if it's for the future? Do you know? Um, what verse are you on? On 11. Okay, so one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust unto you the true riches? And I think that's... So if you've not used your resources on this earth for eternal benefits, then God's not going to give you the true, the, the, like, for example, um, your, your life. God is going to bring things into your life that as you start really focusing on eternal things, you're, you're focusing on the kingdom of God. You're focusing on supporting things that are, that are eternal. You're mm -hmm. not, you're not putting all your money in Apple stock. Mm -hmm. You know, people that are really into, you know, the stock market and that's where all, all their focus is. And they've left out the things of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. You know, God is saying, these people that are kingdom-minded, I'm going to keep giving them. I'm going to multiply them and help them continue to give and support the things that are the true eternal riches. Got this look on your face, Molly. <laughs> I don't know. It's just not making sense. Why? I, I don't know. I guess the word entrust is like... I don't, it's, I'm trying to relate it to personal, like, life as Christians. How does that work if it's entrusted to you? Okay, so um, here at Lamplighter, God has blessed us. Mm -hmm. um, he has placed his favor on us. Um, early on, there was a lot of sacrifice, mm -hmm. and God gave us a little bit. And the little bit that he gave us, we invested it in eternal things. Mm -hmm. We printed more books that had the Word of God saturated through it. The first book we did was The Basket of Flowers. We didn't have two nickels to rub together. We took out a loan. We, um, we, and we took a loan out of our retirement account, mm -hmm. okay, money that we had. We borrowed from ourselves. We printed that book. We invested in eternal things. God took that sacrifice, and he multiplied it greatly. That same year, where we didn't have enough money, all of a sudden, Boom, 2,000 books sold. God then gave us, guess what? Brought another book. A grandmother brought a book and said, hey, print this book, Titus, the Comrade of the Cross. And then someone sent another book from, from England and like, Christie's Old Organ, print this book. And then Jessica's first prayer came, outsold, a, outsold Alice in Wonderland, 10 to 1. And God brought another book into our lives. That summer, God brought five books into our lives mm. that we weren't even searching for them. God started to entrust unto us true riches. That's what happened. That's and, amazing. And then all of a sudden, Lamplighter Ministries exploded. Mm -hmm. It just took off. 
And God and Debbie and I weren't making any money during that time. For the first five years, we didn't make a cent. Mm-hmm. But but we just kept pouring into this ministry and pouring into the and God. We never looked for a book, not one book. I never looked for a book. Wow. I've never looked for a lamplighter book. Uh-huh. God just keeps bringing them and bringing them. I'm reading a new one right now, my darling daughter, <laughs> better than Teddy's button. Just God keeps and I, every time He gives me one, I'm like. God, thank you so much. This is so mm-hmm. cool. Another gift. Mm-hmm. He, like God says, um, he sends Michael the archangel. No, not really, but I can picture mm-hmm. like, Michael, go get that book for Hamby. <laughs> uh, we're going to give him another, we're going to give him another gift and he's going to print it for us. Uh-huh. And we're going to, and then Joe Johnson over in Ireland is going to read the book and he's going to get saved. And he's going to be part of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so God looks at people and he blesses in such a way that he gives them the true riches Mm -hmm. that can keep expanding the kingdom of God. It's almost like this, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven that have been revealed because you've been doing what God's asked you to do. I I believe so. And so here, here, the two of you are, you know, Molly, you're, you're faithful. I trust you. Thank you. And as you continue to be faithful to the things, the little that God gives you, he's giving you the skill of writing. He's giving you the skill of people skills of making people feel um, valued. Trey, the other day I said you didn't have a lot of empathy and you said, yes, I do. <laughs> and as soon as Trey <laughs> disagrees with me, I'm like, okay, he's probably right. Let me find out. Because <laughs> oh, this is why I said that he doesn't have empathy because I pull my back out and I do this once every two years. And when I pull my back out, it's gone. I'm gone for a good two to three weeks, right? Practically paralyzed. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was on a Trey brought a stretcher machine the last time. <laughs> had me upside down and inside oh. out. It was really something. But so Trey sees me. I pulled my back out. I'm leaning on a shovel and I can't move because I'm leaning on the shovel. And if you take the shovel out, I'm going to fall over, right? Yep. And, but what were you doing while I was in agony? What were you doing? <laughs> Tell the people. I was smiling. Yeah, you were laughing, <laughs> is what you were doing. You were laughing because you were like, okay, this, is, this has happened again. And then what did you do to me? I picked you up. And carried me out. Oh, I did a military drag over to the porch. <laughs> no, you called it a dead man's military right. drag. Yeah. <laughs> and then you told someone else to do what? Take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. <laughs> so, so everyone, you pray for me because this is the kind of people I work with. <laughs> I'm in agony, pull my back out, and Trey's laughing at me, carrying me in a dead man's drag. If you've been with someone for eight years and seen this happen, (laughs) how many times? Yeah. Uh, One time I think I was on his back and he was carrying me around. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How about the time uh, we were doing the stonework on the... Yeah. No, there was no we. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay, so Molly, does that help with the church? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. That's really good. Okay, so... uh, so and I can't think of anything in this time to just share with both of you. Trey, God has entrusted unto you amazing, guess what? Earthly riches. Mm-hmm. The unrighteous riches, okay? The unrighteous wealth he calls it. Now, because of that, he wants now to give you more and entrust unto you the true riches. That's what's next. That's mm-hmm. the big one, okay? This life is so short. And so I told you you didn't have any empathy because you were laughing and making fun while I was, I pulled my back out. But then you said, no, I, I, I do have empathy. 
And but you show it in a completely different way. And then you said something to me that really like shocked me. Not shocked me in the sense like I'm shocked. It 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 kind of like when you get an electric shock, mm-hmm. it kind of brings you back into neutral. <laughs> and you said, I help people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. Molly, <clears throat> I've known Trey for nine years, and that's one of the characteristics that I admire the most. Mm-hmm. When you are down and out, mm-hmm. Trey is there to help. I really appreciate that a lot. Mm, thank you. Yeah, that's... Do you remember the time the skunk was under the porch? <laughs> no, I don't, actually. <laughs> what was it? It was your propane tank. <laughs> <laughs> and what would have happened if I lit a match? Uh, he probably would have blown up. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, pilot light from the gas stove or whatever. So, Yikes. Yeah, I thought... And I was... I had COVID during that time. I was... That was when your back was out. And I had COVID. And I was yeah. sick as a dog. Oh. And wow. how early in the morning did you come? Oh, it was like 7. No, it was earlier than that. <laughs> it was like 6 a.m., I thought. It was early. Anyways, Trey called Trey. I didn't know who else to call. I mean, there weren't any people on the highway, and Trey came over and smelled around, and I thought it was a skunk underneath the, the house, and he found it. The gas grill That's crazy. had been left on, and the, the gas had seeped under the house. And Was, was anyone mi- living there? I was the only he one He was there. in the house. Oh, yeah. And Debbie was, in, well, Debbie was in Pennsylvania. We were separated because of, because of COVID during that time. We couldn't, we couldn't get next to each other. I was nice. really sick. He was awake all night because he couldn't not get away from the smell. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's, like, really bad. Yeah. yeah. He was inhaling propane. But he was there. And then a few days later, he was there with a machine that helped stretch me out. And then he put me in this machine where I would turn upside down and... Inversion table. Inversion table, what? yeah. Yeah. And uh, he came, picked it up, brought it. That's a lot to, to bring. That's a lot of, and I'm not trying to just lift you up right now. I'm just, I'm really thankful. And moms and dads, as you're listening to this or whoever's listening, you know, there's a lot to this. You know, Trey shows his empathy and just no brag, no show. Just help people when they need help. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Yeah. Um, if you continue the way you're going, what God has given you with your work ethic, the 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 skills that you've learned, um, if then you continue to be faithful in what God has given you, then God will continue to entrust unto you the true riches. And this is what it says in verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, and moms and dads and everyone who's listening to this, it's so important. I remember working for a 90-year-old lady who was a billionaire, and she wanted me to do something that was above and beyond what my contract was. You know? <laughs> and I said, no, you know, because I had three children. They were young. I was going to seminary. And I just felt like she was asking for too much. You know, and I, I just remember enough was enough. I wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I resisted. And uh, had I done it, had I been faithful in another's, you know, and gone above and beyond that, what I'm doing here today at Lamplighter, those skills would have been exactly what I needed today. Wow. And she was willing to send me to Cornell to learn and pay for it. And I refused because I was in seminary, you know, and uh, and at that point, that moment, working for another and making another person's wealth more important than my own mm-hmm. wasn't important to me. And I felt like, you're rich enough. Why should I invest in you when I want to invest in my own future? And because I did that, 20 years later, God was like, 
this is why I wanted you to do that. Hmm. I, was cool. gonna, I was preparing you for something, but you refused. Wow. You refused to place another person higher than yourself. And I lost an amazing opportunity. And so um, this, is, this is so, so important as we teach our children, especially with our own example. So, so God says this. Jesus says this in verse, uh, verse 13. No servant can, can serve two masters, for you'll either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Um, don't neglect what God has given you and place other people above your own desires. There'll, there'll come a time, you know, and the key here, this is what I think is the key. When he says in verse 12, if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give unto you that which is your own? What does that mean? I, I know you shared a little bit already. Trey, Molly, what does it mean? I have no idea. God, I believe, has got something for you to do something for you to do if you're faithful in another person's and then you've uh, you've been this way trey and i appreciate this you you've been so amazingly faithful i have no doubt that what god has in store for you that he's going to give you something that's your own mm-hmm. that's what god wants to do each one of us god has an assignment for us to fulfill but he cannot give it to us until we prove to him that we're faithful in another's with another person's resources when we're faithful with another person's resources, then God says, now you can, now I can give you that which is your own. I will allow you to do something that is your own thing. Molly's got this look on her face, a look of puzzlement, a look of wonder, a look of, I don't believe what you're saying is accurate. No, I don't believe it. I'm wrapping my head around it. Okay. It's, it's so much. That which is your own, your own thing, your own money, your own business, your own focus in life, whatever it is, your own dreams coming true, God can't give you that which is going to be your own. You own it. Your ownership between you and God. God is going to partner with you to do something that only the two of you are going to be able to do. And um, it'll be yours. You'll have other people working for you. So what about like if someone messes up really bad? Then you're you're counted out forever. (laughs) Okay. Next story. (laughs) (laughs) Of course not. Um, if a person messes up, I messed up, uh-huh. right? I didn't do. I did exactly the opposite of what this says, and I paid a price for it. Mm-hmm. But God took all the other things. He's not forgetful. You know what God says? He says, mm-hmm. "I'm not forgetful in the things that you've done." Mm-hmm. I think that's in the book of Hebrews. He's mm-hmm. not forgetful. Let's find that verse. By the way, Trey, it's uh, five forty-two. I'm going to make this podcast go until 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> I got to go. We're going to do it for a week. We're not even leaving this room. No, I'm only kidding. Bye. We're almost done. So in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we do desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end that you be not slothful, but followers of them, that through faith and endurance inherit the promises. Um, so you just asked the question, Molly, you know, what happens if someone's messed up? Mm-hmm. We have a whole life of accumulated, you know, work on, that we've done for the Lord and for others. And mm-hmm. God says, I, have, I will not forget mm-hmm. your labor of love. I'll not forget it. And so God looks at our whole life and we may mess up from time to time in certain areas, but on a whole, God looks and says, you know what? 
I, I'm going to invest in you. You've been faithful in other people's wealth. You have been faithful in the little that I've given you. And, and I love this verse. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. Mm-hmm. We've got to get our children at a young age to be faithful in the little things. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we've got to be careful of is not to give them too much. Not to overdo it. I did that. I gave wow. my kids too much. Interesting. Jonathan, come over here. We gotta feed the sheep. Jennifer, gotta go over there and muck out the stalls of the horses. David, David, come over here. We gotta water, water the, water the goats over here. Dad, I'm only four months old. <laughs> that sounds like because it was interesting. You said that. You said that you got to be careful not to give them too much but that's like the opposite of what you're trying to do because if you got to teach someone to be faithful with a little you don't give them a lot yeah i gave them too much so the idea of being faithful with a little i think it would almost be like micromanaging would be the bad problem with that right well like kids go in the playroom and clean it up they go in there they're little kids right and they see all the blocks on the floor and the Tonka, Tonka toys all over the place, right? And they go in there, and then they come out. And like, did you clean everything up? Uh huh. And you go in there, like this thing's just, just as much of a mess it was before, right? Uh huh. So you want to go in there, and you want to have little successes, mm-hmm. okay? John, and you want to you want to help them succeed. Jonathan, pick up <clears> those four blocks over there, and David, you pick up these two over here, and and you help them be successful. I had a mom call me. She uh, she said, I heard your seminar. I don't know what to do. My six-year-old gets a spanking every Monday night. I'm like, why? She goes, it's time to do the dishes, and it's his night where he has to wash the dishes, and he's got five other brothers and sisters, and they help dry. They, you know, One puts them in the soap suds and washes them off. The other rinses, and then they put, go down the line, and one dries, and then one sets it in the cabinets. And I said, and your six-year-old gets a spanking because of why? She goes, he takes the bubbles and blows them all over the other kids. <laughs> and I'm like... Then I see the problem. She said, what's the problem? I said, you got one normal kid and five abnormal kids. <laughs> I said, six-year-olds and bubbles. That's what the God made them for. You know, this is like, this is time to blow bubbles. And I said, ma'am, I said, you're putting responsibility above relationship. Help this kid succeed. Monday night, tell him he's got to do one dish, help him do one dish successfully, and then give him a bottle of bubbles afterwards and let him go blow the bubbles. And she goes, I never thought of that. And she goes... This is going to be amazing. This is going to change our entire family. So praise the Lord. And then go get help for your other five kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we bring this to a close. It says this. No servant can serve two masters. He'll either love the one, hate the other, or he will be devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. And then right after that, it says this. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things and ridiculed Jesus. And Jesus said to them, You are those who justify yourself before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. They were using their good works as this big, huge public display of how righteous they were. Mm. It's the hidden things. It's the things that go unnoticed. Um, Trey, I just want to commend you. You've done a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I I have been blessed and honored to work with you. I've, uh, I've learned a lot from you as well. I've enjoyed working with you. Yeah. And I just pray that the things that God has invested in you, that it will become eternal things, mm-hmm. that God will entrust unto you the true riches, and that, uh, and that he will entrust unto you something that will be your own, and it will be kingdom-minded, and it will advance the kingdom of God in ways that the world has never seen. And so I appreciate you very much. And uh, Molly, I pray the same for you. Um, I see that I'm right now sitting before me, 
are two um, young adults that God has um, blessed in ways that um, I've not seen before. And so I'm really, really excited about your future and pray that, uh, that God will indeed entrust the true riches to both of you so that his kingdom will advance in such a way that all who see it, um, this is a phrase from Tales of the Kingdom, all who see you um, will have a new hope mm. um, because they've seen in you the true king and the true kingdom. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit lamplighter.net slash podcast and fill out the form. That's lamplighter.net slash podcast.